Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> so it's been a while since I um, did a, a discourse, a sutta, uh, with this group. We've been talking about stuff happening in in the world, the, uh, the oil spill, and then did a, did a series of, of talks on, on this uh, really great issue, um, addiction, um, about breaking the, the chains of, of craving. Um, so I, I felt like doing a, a discourse, something a bit more from the classical stuff, so... I know that the information I'll be sharing with you is wise, real wise, if it's out of the Buddha's mouth. Um, but it, it pertains to, um, actually, to a lot of what we were exploring together for those four weeks with this, uh, this issue on addiction. Uh, and uh, I'll just start by reading a little bit of the the discourse. It's actually two discourses that are uh, connected. If you're interested, if you're, uh, if you know this, the middle-length discourses of the Buddha, uh, also called the Majima middle-length Nikaya. Um, it's this is a collection of 152 discourses, and this this is uh, number 45 and 46. Um, the the forty five is called the shorter discourse on ways of undertaking things, and forty six is the greater discourse on ways of undertaking things. Uh, and with the interesting sounding name, the Kula Dhamma Samadana Sutta. And then the Maha Dhamma Samadana Sutta. I'll read a, a little bit. <clears throat> Thus have I heard. <clears throat> it's been a while since I've done uh, read from the discourse, so just as a little back background. Thus have I heard is a, a disc. All of these are, um, or I think most, mm, yeah, maybe all of them start with "Thus have I heard." And that is Ananda, the Buddha's attendant, uh, who was who had supposedly perfect recall. And after the Buddha died, they had a um, a council where they said, "Okay, tell us everything you remember that came out of the Buddha's mouth." And he would start this way: "Thus have I heard," and then they would memorize it orally. It wasn't it wasn't written for uh, a few hundred years. Thus have I heard, on one occasion, the Blessed One, the Buddha, was living at Savati in Jetta's Grove, Anattapindika's park. And Anattapindika, let's give a little bit more background tonight, was the, the wealthiest patron of the Buddhas. He was, um, uh, he was a, a great businessman, and in fact, he said to the Buddha at some point, well, maybe I should renounce and become a, um, uh, a mendicant, uh, a monk, 
and give up all my wealth. And the Buddha said, no, 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 that's, that's not your karma. Your karma is to do really good things with your wealth. So, and one of the good things that he did was support the Buddha for uh, <laughs> quite a while. So <laughs> everybody won on that one because it's supposedly the highest thing you can, you can do with your, with your prosperity is to support the Dharma and support uh, the monastics. And if you're around to support a Buddha, that's really good karma. So anyway, he, this Anattapindakas Park was one that he, uh, he bought for the Buddha the Buddha, um, uh, the 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 one, the man who owned Anattapindika, that park, the Jetta Grove, didn't want to sell it, and Anattapindika said, "Oh, this would be such a great place for uh, for the the Buddha and his uh, his disciples to practice." And he said, "Will you sell?" He said, "No way." And Anattapindika said, "What price could I offer?" He said, "If you cover the whole park with gold." I'll sell it to you. Never thinking that Anandapindika would do that. He got the park. Um, At least that's how the story goes. So anyway, now to get to the sutta. There the Buddha addressed the monks thus. Bhikkhus, venerable sir, they replied, the blessed one said this. Bhikkhus, or monks, practitioners, For the most part, beings have this wish, this desire, and this longing. And then he's quoting. If only unwished for, undesired, disagreeable things would diminish, and wished for, desired, agreeable things would increase. Have you ever had that thought? (laughs) Basically, If only things that I don't want would go away and things that I do want would happen and stay. Anyone never not have that thought today? (laughs) If only one unwished for undesirable, disagreeable things would diminish and wished for desired, agreeable things would increase. Yet, although beings have this wish, desire, and longing... Unwished for, undesired, disagreeable things increase for them, and wished for, desired, agreeable things diminish. Now, bhikkhus, what do you think is the reason for that? Anybody have an answer? Okay. What's that? Intention? Okay. Yes. Let's go. Venerable sir, Our teachings are rooted in the Blessed One, guided by the Blessed One, have the Blessed One as their resort. It would be good for us if the Blessed One would explain the meaning of these words. Having heard it from the Blessed One, the bhikkhus will remember it, they said. Then listen, bhikkhus, and attend closely to what I shall say. Here, bhikkhus, an untaught, ordinary person who has no regard for noble ones and is and does not know oh and is unskilled and undisciplined in their dharma does not know what things should be cultivated and what things should not be cultivated does not know what things should be followed and what things should not be followed not knowing this 
they cultivate things that should not be cultivated and don't cultivate things that should be cultivated, follow things that should not be followed and not follow things that should be followed. It is because they do this that unwished-for, undesirable, disagreeable things increase for them and the wished-for, desirable, agreeable things diminish. Why is that? That is what happens to one who does not see. The well-taught noble disciple who has regard for noble ones and is skilled and disciplined in their dharma knows what things should be cultivated and what things should not be cultivated, what things should be followed and what things not followed. Knowing this, they cultivate that which should be cultivated and don't cultivate that which should not be cultivated. Follow things that should be followed, do not follow things that should be not followed. It's because of this that unwished for, undesired, disagreeable things diminish for them and wished for, desirable, agreeable, desired, agreeable things increase. Why is that? That is what happens to one who sees. Bhikkhus, all right, so I'll just stop right there. So, this is a, a discourse that is a, a prescription for either being a wise person or being an ignorant person. And then actually, until we gain our wisdom, ignorance in the sense of not seeing clearly is usually our default setting. So that's pretty much where most people fall until they start seeing clearly, oh, what leads to happiness and what leads to away from happiness or suffering. Then he goes on. This is the greater discourse on ways of undertaking things. He says there are four ways of undertaking things. What are the four? There is a way of undertaking things that is painful now and ripens in the future as pain. That's one. There's a way of undertaking things that is pleasant now and ripens in the future as pain. Then there is a way of undertaking things that is painful now and ripens in the future as pleasure. And there is a way of undertaking things that is pleasant now and ripens in the future as pleasure. Um, Pretty much covers the... the (laughs) The territory. And somebody who doesn't see clearly, someone who is um, living in ignorance, in the, the Buddhist definition, doesn't know what should be cultivated and what should not. That is, they experience when they're in their pain, they are doing things that 
are leading to more pain, when they are experiencing pleasure or going after pleasure, wanting and having pleasure in the moment, they are planting seeds that ripen into pain, into suffering. The wise might be experiencing pain but are transmuting it, are planting seeds that ripen into pleasure, into happiness. And uh, the, the word, and this is Bhikkhu Bodhi, uh, who's the premier translator, he's saying, you know, uh, he uses the word pleasure. He says, he's not saying, oh, no, 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 pleasure is not allowed. He's saying, yeah, you, you want to go for happiness, just like the Buddha was called the happy one. He said, go for the highest happiness. It's not saying just deprive yourself all the time. And then the wise person also can be experiencing pleasure in a way that leads to further pleasure or happiness. So... We can't make the, uh, the stark uh, definition and say, oh yes, this is what ignorant, ignorant people do and this is what wise people do. Even those who are very wise have still some small, if not great, vestiges of ignorance. And some people who are uh, mostly acting out of confusion, can see glimpses, perhaps. And once you start seeing a glimpse and you start getting the idea of where happiness lies, they have capacity for wisdom. So we all have, probably each of us here, have both of these and live out all four of these, these paths. But to make this more than just theoretical, I'd like us to just explore in our lives. This is one of the things that I, that I really um, find so helpful. If you can make a sutta come alive and see, how can, what does this mean for me? What is he talking about? And um, explore and inquire in that way. So just uh, for a moment, we can explore all, uh, each of these. Just uh, go inside. And in your own life, just ask yourself, reflect and ask yourself, when are you going through a painful experience that leads to more pain in the future. You might also frame it, what things that cause you pain now lead to further pain in the future?
Okay. Let's just uh, take take it one at a time. Let's hear. You know, you don't have to go into the gory details of of things, but and we all have our own ways. What comes up for you? Some ways that you're, that, or a way that you might be going through a, a, a difficult experience or acting in a way that's creating pain for yourself now that's leading to further pain in the future. Anything comes up for you? Yeah. Clinging to having things my way. Excellent. Anybody can relate to that? Yeah. Clinging to having things my way. So that in the in the present here actually here while we pass this through. So in the present just ask you um, and we can hope this is a discussion. So uh, in the present it's painful. That's clear when you're clinging, oh I really want this. How is it um, unfolding into pain in the future? Um, when I get caught up in, um, you know, my stories of how things should be and how uh, people should be um, in relationship to me, and when I don't get what I want, I um, can make up more stories about <laughs> and it just turns into this cycle uh-huh. uh, where I'm you know, not necessarily doing the same things over and over again, hoping to get different results, but um, maybe creating more and more elaborate ways of doing those same things rather mm-hmm. than maybe disengaging and looking at, well, what would happen if I got my way? I mean, is this the truth? Mm-hmm. Do, do I need to have this? rather than doing a process of inquiry with myself, just going along bullheaded. Uh-huh. Okay, great. So you're perpetuating the stories which just either continue in the future because you're practicing them, or you're creating more stories that, that evolve out of those and, and your theory gets more and more entrenched. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Great. Anything else? Yeah. Pass it behind you. Wait, hang on. Why don't you just pass the pass the mic, the hand, in the back? There it is. Um, I. Uh, it's hard to specify. Um, well, I know I have lots of clinging, but uh-huh. uh, put it real close to your mouth. So oh, I know. People, I know yeah. I have lots of clinging. Uh huh. Lots of clinging, but it's really hard to see how your karma is going to manifest uh, unless, you think, unless you see things as pure appearances. Um, and I, I can't go into that because I don't see that, but I have some ideas. But, you know, like there's, I guess there's a Tibetan proverb that says, uh, if you want to know what's going to happen in your next life, just look what's happening in this life. There's, there's some degree of truth in that. Um, I think I'll stop. <laughs> but I was going to say okay. something else, but I'll stop. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, up here. Um. Well, I guess I guess what came up for me was just uh, moments of reactivity, where I find myself being reactive 
in a given instant, usually showing up as anger, impatience, um, Somebody's watch. Yeah. Somebody left their watch. There's <laughs> 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 the beeping. Yeah. Anyway. Stop in a minute. There it is. Okay. So. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, I'll just um, find myself. You know, say somebody seems unpleasant to me at the post office or a grocery store or wherever. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll take it personally and be reactive mm-hmm. to that and treat them unpleasantly, in effect. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. your reactivity to the moment can be both painful right now and how is it painful in the future well it's easily painful in the future because in two different ways one is that um the person that i'm interacting with will become even more mm-hmm. uh, unpleasant mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then the other way which is usually worse is how the papancha you know how I'll start to spin out in my own head about, oh gosh, I should have done this, I should have said this, and it'll just spin and spin and spin for, you know, X amount of time. Great. So looking back on it, it's painful in the moment, and it's painful the energy that comes back to you, and it's also painful as you recall and say, oh, I kind of blew it there. Okay, great. All right, let's just uh, move on now. Once again, go inside, and uh, let's take the instance where the present is pleasant, but it is um, unfolding as pain in the future, either whatever you're doing or saying or thinking in this pleasant moment unfolds as painful future. Think of when that happens for you. The more you can see how this works, the greater you, greater possibility you have of Developing well-being for yourself. Okay. okay. So, what comes up uh, here, right, right behind you over there? Uh, yeah. In fact, why, why don't you say your name? We should be getting people's names. Hi, I'm Donna. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, what seems to be good, it leads to pain. Going back to a relationship that isn't working mm-hmm. based on the need to be loved and uh, having it feel good to return, but to know that it will 
end up where it was before, if not worse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, out of denial of the truth. Uh-huh. Right, so not being honest with yourself, with the truth, and saying, oh, but it feels so good, maybe it'll be different. Maybe it was me. Uh-huh. Okay. How much of it was me? Uh-huh. Great, thanks. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And there was, yes, a hand right over here. Pass it. Well, the first, excuse me, uh, John. And the first thing that came to mind was a real simple one. <coughs> Something as simple as um, eating a, a delicious thing, but because it's so delicious, I keep eating it and eating it and eating, and before long, I've got a stomach ache. Hey. <laughs> Um, what came to mind after that, though, is something I think a little bit more profound, is um, hmm. sometimes things drop through the cracks in the floor. Give me a, give me a second. Oh, yes. So having a pleasant experience um, of any sort, really, and then attempting to hold on to it. So either wanting more, second or third helping, or you know more is better, or holding on to what's here, both of those, and the and that's pleasant initially and turns into painful experience. Great. Okay. Anything else that comes to mind? Yeah, Alexa here. What came up pretty strongly for me is around wise speech. And when I'm engaging and talking shit about people, it feels so good in the moment <laughs> for some reason. Just the connection, like the energy gets so high. <laughs> and then I just feel so awful, like pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. Just regret and remorse. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you got a lot of company in that. Isn't it amazing how... Uh, seductive, how titillating it is to get into talking about somebody and getting your jollies off on putting them down. And then afterwards, uh, and how many times do we have to learn that? You know, over and over and over. Uh-huh. Mm. Great, thank you. Um, okay, let's go on to the next one. So go inside. And then reflect on how a painful experience or an unpleasant experience in the moment can unfold as a pleasant experience or a greater happiness in the future. How does that work in your life? ways that you undertake either in your thoughts, your words, your actions. 
Okay. So, yeah, here, uh, just pass it back to Carol over there. Raise your hand. Um, Real what, close. Okay. Yeah. What comes up for me is, first I thought nothing came up, but um, I got very angry at somebody who was very angry at me. Mm-hmm. And for three days, I, I couldn't forgive her or, or say anything nice about her. And then I realized, I mean, then it just felt like it dropped away. And so it, it has a lot to do with forgiveness because the bond with that person is very different now than it was before any of this happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. So a painful disconnect can actually be transformed into a, a, a deeper connection through forgiveness, through understanding. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, thank yes. you. Then behind over there, is it Claudia? Bah- oh, oh, okay. Well, some of you may remember the adventures of my daughter living at my house. Um, And it was, you know, with a lot of trepidation and sort of chagrin that uh, I entered into it. And I realized that as it progressed, uh, it really came down to attachment. You know, I, I... I entered into it in the negative with an attachment to my house, you know, the mess the kids were going to have, you know, the struggles my daughter and I have together. And in in letting go the attachment, uh, it's turned out it's over now. She's in her own home. But it turned out to be just a an enriching experience for all of us, you know, her partner who I really didn't, know and like that much because I didn't know him mm-hmm. um, you know it enabled me to to grow my relationship with her and him and their whole family mm-hmm. so um, it was about you know attachment and expectation and letting go of that mm-hmm. um, and just sort of letting unfold what was going to unfold without you know that attachment mm-hmm. that you know it was a great outcome mm-hmm. Beautiful. Could it, can you hear? Can you hear up there? Yes. Um, so, how many times does it does it happen where you just know how this is going to be? It's going to be such a drag, and you're going in, you know, kicking and screaming, and oh, I don't like this. And then it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Oh, this is really good. Oh, this is really good. Wow, I never could have imagined it would be this rich, this warm, or this. Revelatory, or all that. Mm-hmm. Great, thanks. Any, uh, yeah, o- over there, honey. There are times when my wife and I travel and and do some really hard work in other countries and difficult, hot, sweaty, tough work, and and sometimes I say, "What am I doing this for?" And but. It's tough in the it's tough in the beginning, but in the end, the thanks and appreciation that we get from people is makes it all so worth it. It's it's it warms my heart afterwards, and I realize, oh, it was great work, and I shouldn't have been complaining. Uh-huh. Yeah, 
I hope you can forgive yourself in the retrospect, but uh, yeah, that how we just, we're, we're showing up, we're putting ourselves through a challenging experience, and it becomes so heart-opening and connecting, especially if we're, we're sharing and, and generous with others, you know. Or it's like, it's like going to the gym, you know, he's, oh, I don't know, oh, this is sore. And then afterwards, hey, I feel pretty good. It's, it's that little, little game of life that we have to learn over and over. It's kind of going in, you know, grumbling and coming out saying, oh, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, one last one. Is it Keith? You want to? I think you've already said what I was going to say, but basically that, that there are so many different cases where um, pushing the boundaries, whether it's pushing the boundaries in figuring out uh, an academic problem or figuring out how to, as you said, at the gym or going along a bicycle ride or those sorts of things that at the time you're like, oh, man, I don't get it. I don't understand it. This is no fun, whatever else, or why can't I get it? But then afterwards you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was definitely worth it. You know, it's sort of that pushing your back. Ba- pushing the boundaries can have very positive consequences in longer term. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, we all know the phrase growing pains. We have growing pains uh, or labor pains. You know, just every time you're moving from the familiar, the, the comfortable, to stretch yourself there's an adjustment and the system says, you know, wants to just be at ease, but then you stretch yourself and you're greater than you than you were before. Great. Okay, let's go to the, the last one. How a pleasant moment now can lead to greater pleasant moments or greater happiness and well-being in the future. Think of the, the ways, the, the thoughts, the words, the actions and behaviors. Pleasant in the moment, leading to greater happiness in the future. here, especially people who haven't shared yet anything that uh, comes up. There's one right behind you. Keith, uh, raise your hand. Yeah. And say your name. Too. I'm Joel. Hi, Joel. Um, meditation for me is, um, was a pleasure to begin with, and it's opened up more pleasures in the future for me. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it. And Happy for the practice. Mm-hmm. So that Beautiful. was an easy one for me. Yeah, it's not always pleasant for for people, but in general, you know, as as uh, there's a saying, the the Dharma is beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle, and beautiful in the end. 
Um, so practice can be like that. What else? Uh, we'll go down here, and then and we'll. So, oh, there's somebody right next. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, this is a an experience that I've had before, and I always try to remember it. Usually, it's on my birthday. I make an intention that this is going to be a very positive day and that I'm just going to not take things too seriously mm. and I'm going to try and just interact with people in a very open and positive way. And what I find, it doesn't always happen, but it usually does, that people really respond. And so I'm actually enjoying myself and I see that I'm sending out positive energy to other people and it really reinforces, and I'll notice because sometimes I'll see those people or one of them a, a couple of days later, and they're still reflecting back that positive energy to me, even though I've gone into like some sort of negative space. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really like, um, it's very strange. It's sort of like being in love and sort of communicating that mm-hmm. to everybody around you. You sort of lighten up everybody. Right. It's, whatever you do um, comes back to you, and, and particularly you put out that good energy and people respond. It awakens that in them, comes back to you. Great. Feels good on the way out and on the way back. Great. Thanks. Let's see here. Pass it up or right over here. So raise your hand. Yeah, that's real close. Uh, <laughs> it was somewhat similar to what he was saying. Um, just because you can react to people in two different ways, I find like when I'm able to express my appreciation for the positive things that they're doing, um, it it adds to the pleasure and the warmth and kindness within that relationship. I, mm-hmm. you know, I work with teenagers and it's sometimes trying mm-hmm. because there's <laughs> stuff going on. Just sometimes. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I try to just get focused that way mm-hmm. in the morning. Great. Thank so you. expressing your appreciation, expressing gratitude feels good on the way out. And back. Here's one more right up. Is it more? Yeah, um, Jim. Jim. <clears throat> um, yeah, what came to mind uh, for me was um, like letting someone into traffic in front of me when I'm driving mm-hmm. and um, how that makes me feel good in the moment. And then um, it, it sort of carries on. And then I also have this fantasy that then that person will be kind to somebody else because it's happened to me before where someone was kind to me and I kind of remember and then I pass it along. So mm-hmm. you pay it forward. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. So acting in a, in a generous way or kind way feels good on the way out and on the way back. Or putting money in the uh, basket. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so... Um, the Buddha says we have a choice. We, always, we can be in the middle of an unpleasant experience and have it either lead to more suffering or pain, 
or have it lead to uh, greater understanding, particularly if you bring compassion or wisdom to uh, your relationship to the experience. Or you can be in the middle of a pleasant experience and have it lead to more suffering if there's grasping, uh, or more happiness if it's a wholesome action. And particularly, he goes into this, into this discourse uh, specifically um, addressing how we relate to uh, integrity and to uh, precepts, where he says that, um, he gives the example that somebody who doesn't see clearly um, out of pain will break precepts, will either you know, st- steal or kill or abuse or uh, say unskillful things or uh, you know, just uh, cloud the mind in, in an unskillful way. Out of our pain, we can be creating more pain. Out of our wanting more pleasure, grasping at more pleasure, we can do unskillful things that lead to pain, either that we regret or that get us into unskillful habits. Out of wisdom, we can experience something unpleasant in the moment that basically he's talking about the instance where there's restraint where you hold yourself back and you kind of, you know, are, are saying, oh, well, you know, I'll just suffer through this. You know, I won't go for the extra dessert or I, or I won't say the unskillful thing even though I'm kind of blowing a, you know, a gasket here. And it might be painful as you restrain yourself, but it leads down the road to a feeling of real connection and alignment and integrity because you are acting in an ethical, wise way. Or you can, do, you can uphold the precepts not out of some kind of martyrdom, but just because they are, as I like to call them, habits of happiness. Oh, it feels so good to... Uh, to be acting kindly to somebody instead of ripping them off, or it feels so good to uh, to to be thoughtful and generous instead of you know, the other way around. And so you're acting in a, in an integ- uh, integrous way out of wanting to develop. And, and so it feels good in the moment, and it also feels good as you're continuing that pattern. So that's specifically towards the precepts. But it also applies, as I reflect on, on this formula, to how we relate to our experience. We can be in the middle of a painful experience and be you know, bitching and moaning, and this isn't fair, and why me, and all that and be compounding it with our reaction. We can be in the middle of a pleasant experience and saying, as we were saying, yeah, I want more, and this is so cool and groovy, and you know, be swept up by, by greed. Or we can be in the middle of a painful experience, as we all know, and if we have the wisdom to see 
how can I relate to this in a different way? How am I, how am I growing in this? How, how can I wake up through this really hard period? Then the pain in the moment can be a springboard for greater compassion, wisdom, understanding, and happiness, ultimately. Or we can be in the middle of a happy experience, um, whether it is um, a pleasurable moment that you just are filled with appreciation but not grasping, or cultivating wholesome states of gratitude, of loving kindness, of um, uh, mindfulness. And so we have a choice, not only through our actions, but how we relate to our current experience to go down either road. And the wisdom, the wisdom mind is the one that can see the bigger perspective that sees what, how I'm relating to things right now will affect how I'll feel in a little while. We, we talked uh, uh, about this in, when we were going through this uh, inquiring mind issue. Remember that uh, SOBER, that um, acronym that Alan Marlett had? When you're at that moment of choice, stop, observe what you're feeling, breathe, expand is bringing a wider perspective. How am I going to feel about this in the future? And then respond appropriately. So it's, it's really wisdom. A lot of wisdom, the way I see it, has to do with expanding beyond just this moment to see what seeds I'm planting in the future and going for real happiness. Not out of deprivation, but out of really wanting a greater happiness. When I think about it, the Buddha was, I don't know if this is sacrilegious to, to say, but you know, was the ultimate hedonist. He's saying, really go for happiness, but not how we usually think of hedonism, of like a quick pleasure, but he's saying, go for the real happiness. Really take it all in. Go for the highest happiness. But that means seeing more than what this moment is offering you and going for those moments that are much deeper and, and lasting. And there is there's actually, uh, almost out of time, there's, uh, a few, there's four similes that are great at the end of this discourse. I won't get into all the, the graphic detail, but uh, th- he gives the image of pain leading to more pain as taking some horrible-tasting poison where there's dukkha in the moment and there's dukkha the suffering in what it will what the effect will be. Pleasure leading to pain is like taking sweet tasting poison. Mmm, <laughs> see, this is so good. Oh, God. Pain leading to pleasure or leading to great happiness is like taking 
horrible tasting medicine where oh I can't stand it. Oh, I feel so much better. And pleasure leading to greater happiness is like tasting, taking sweet-tasting medicine. In the last, uh, I can read you that one. The others are a little bit over the top. Suppose there were curd, honey, ghee, and molasses mixed together, and a man with dysentery came, and they told him, Good man, this is curd, honey, ghee, and molasses mixed together. Drink from it if you want, and as you drink from it, its color, smell, and taste will agree with you, and after drinking from it, you'll be well. And then he did that, and he experienced pleasant things that are, that are pleasant now ripen into things that are into future as pleasure. So, uh, just want you to, um, before we end, make this relevant. And, uh, take a moment, go inside, and uh, you might take one of those four thoughts that you had, four examples that you came up with, ways that you create pain and uh, have pain and turn it into more pain or have pleasure and turn it into more pain. If one of those comes up, how could you, how could you transform the unwholesome state? Or if it's pain leading to pleasure, the horrible tasting medicine, or the sweet tasting medicine, how could you strengthen the wholesome state, the wholesome action, or the wholesome habit? Just see what you might give yourself as a practice with a little bit more consciousness this week that um, just experiment with this and see, oh, I really do have a choice here. Just looking at the bigger picture. And if something comes to mind, have an image of yourself embodying that or practicing that and get a sense of how you're giving yourself greater happiness. Not doing it for anybody else but that but out of real kindness to yourself okay come up with something you can keep it to yourself or maybe share if we had time I was going to have you do dyads but we don't have time you might share it with a friend in the next 24 hours and uh, you know maybe that can sometimes be a support to to make it more real more alive and uh, that's the gift of this all this stuff we have a choice and it's so, you read this, you see it, it's so obvious once you see how the game works. And it means just going beyond, you know, we always say, oh, yeah, be in the present moment. Well, it's being in the present moment, but seeing the consequences of our actions in the future, too. That's how wisdom arises.
So um, treat yourself to some more pleasure, real pleasure and happiness. And we'll just close with a short loving kindness. Let's first get in touch with that place inside that really does want to be happy, that's rooting for your own well-being. Even greater than the self-judgments or the doubts, there's a place in you that really wants to be happy. Let yourself get in touch with that. And then send some kind thoughts to yourself for just even acknowledging that wholesome urge inside. May I find real happiness open to all the happiness in my life, genuine happiness. May I feel all the goodness inside and and share my love well. May I see clearly and choose wisely for myself and everyone in my life. May I awaken to my true nature. And then sending these thoughts out to everyone here and all beings in all directions, may all beings be happy, find real happiness. May all share their love well. May all see clearly and act wisely. And may all truly awaken. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and all beings everywhere. to spend the evening with you. See you next week.